Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (laughs) Man, Videodrome just makes me think about the fact, like... Hey, I have a, a righteous anger towards American politicians, and and like certainly solving your problem with violence uh, doesn't feel good to me, just mm. generally speaking. But I wouldn't be opposed for somebody taking one of the Videodrome weapons and like shooting a tooth into <laughs> and making him turn into <laughs> gross sludge uh, before disappearing from this world forever. That would be mm. okay. So like if someone mm. has a Videodrome gun and they want to like target <laughs> with it, that's not an assassination. We're just turning him to gross okay. soup. Make mm-hmm. it clear. Make it clear. K- Casey, are you getting all of this? <laughs> I would be okay with it. I wouldn't be opposed to it is what I'm saying. I'm not calling for it. I'm just saying you could. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody out there knows how to encode a YouTube video with kind of, co- <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that kind of video encoding. It's uh, very special. Mm-hmm. Only a few people can do it. A video drone encoding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Gable passed out. And I I think very shortly after they passed out, they were discovered. And I think Nodo's heads immediately to Travis. Travis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gable has collapsed. Okay. Well, I feel like I would have felt that. They're so big. Would have probably shaken the (laughs) ship. (laughs) Yes, well, the bigness is part of the reason that I have come to you. I need someone to help me move them to the the, the medical examination office. Oh, well, what about Slam here? He's so large. Gable, first of all, Slam is deeply entangled with those ropes. Uh, It would take us hours, hours of deep and difficult work to untangle him from that. He may be there for the remainder of this adventure in port. (laughs) Like a strung ham. Good God. (laughs) It's okay. It's meditative. Fine. If the ham is stuck, then I suppose I will help. Quickly. 
Nodos like moves between most ships, like old sailing ships, used to have their cargo holes loaded from the top. So I imagine that the Uhuru has like similar points of access at, at the front and the back of the ship. Nodos like slides down one of the ladders and of course cuts through the kitchen on his way. He just lays a hand on Jonnet's like shoulder and collar and like pulls him with their group. Come, you must assist. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, knife there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you toss the knife and like Jane just catches it <laughs> out of the air. Uh, yeah, there's like one last flash of the eye. Is like he throws it. Knife. <laughs> Jane doesn't even look. Like, <laughs> I'll be honest, absolutely horrible kitchen etiquette from every single one of you. This is extremely dangerous. <laughs> Jane, Toku, and Fella Ferretti all flip you off. Yeah. As you get <laughs> in, in unison, they never turn around. It's all backs and then birds. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you just... Backs and birds, baby. You just toss knives into a full sink of water and leave it. And I, I bet... <laughs> It's got blue liquid in it. It's the blue stuff. It disinfects. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that's extremely dangerous. You reach your hand into it. You don't. You can't see what's in there. You cut up your hand on a knife. The liquid just in a sink is of water. fairly clear. All right, it's pretty clear. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We would have so many more fingers on this ship if you just practiced a little bit of safety. <laughs> you know what? Why are you still? Why are you still in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, he's like leaning his head around the corner, <laughs> I'm, being pulled by Nodos into another room. I'm just trying to help. And speaking Toku, of help... Toku throws a root vegetable at you. <laughs> excuse me. Again, bad kitchen etiquette. <laughs> and if you if you need help, I would say you should help your friend Slam. You don't is- even have anything to say. Just leave. <laughs> you are still... You're finding the words... In no, your... Slam, Slam is stuck as a ham in the front of the ship. Maybe use maybe use one of your dangerous knives that you love to toss around to cut him out. I think at the last word there, notice his <laughs> fingers like extend over Travis's mouth and pull him into the next room. Finally ending that scene, we turn the corner and we can see Gable laid out on the ground. We can see that, like, there is a, like, secret shelf that Gable has, like, in the boards of the ship where they, they've they tucked away uh, what looks like a pile of rocks. And on the ground, we can see, like, marked into the floor, either with chalk or, or charcoal, the remnants of, of some kind of ritual have been done. And Gable is just passed out on the ground. Gable? As far as I'm aware, you you both understand their condition. Pa- passed out? No. Travis, come on. Their origin. Oh, oh. Yeah. How does that equal this? I, I don't know. I don't know. Did How you just Gable... come in here and see them like this? Were you here How when this happened? How long have they been here? Gable left the helm to attend to something before port. I happened to see them leave the helm, and curiosity drew me to their path. Uh, I didn't watch them as, as they worked, but I did hear them collapse. 
has this happened before, as far as you know? No. I don't think so. Jonnet goes up to Gable just to do the the most surface level check. All right, they're they're still breathing. They don't seem. Does does Gable seem like outside of not being conscious? Is anything else amiss? Wrong? Not that you can tell physically. Okay. Uh, like through through any examination that you'd be able to do with your hands or eyes, Gable appears as as Gable normally is. We've established that Gable doesn't have blood, but also I I think there is still a heartbeat. It, it, mm. e- even if that is weird, like there is some sort of pulse or heartbeat about their being. And of course, you know, they are warm to the touch. So you are, and we, Gable also breathes. We do know that Gable breathes. So there's no difference there. As as far as you can tell with like a mundane check, they are alive. Okay. And is there anything around Gable to give any kind of clue of what they were doing? You do see a rock um, that that appears to be like the center of the ritual. Like there are a lot of rocks that are like tucked away in in this cubby hole, but like one of them was pulled out to do some sort of something. That is is hard to see. Um, I I will say that the way, we'll call it both chalk and charcoal, the way the, the things that they have done as part of the ritual have fallen you can see smudges at their shoulders behind them. It does make it look like there are wings spread out on the ground. Jonnet is going to go to the rock and just going to very tepidly put a hand down and touch it and see if there's any kind of read or vibe from it. You get a vibe. You get a vibe. This is, I, is I don't vibe? think you, it, you know, I, I, I don't want to give it like good or bad value judgment, but this does not feel like a normal rock. There's like a different hum to it mm-hmm. uh, almost like we, we know the, the idea of the om, the idea that creation made a sound and that sound echoes throughout the universe. And it is possible to like resonate with it. Like there is something that is a fraction of that resonance. Almost almost a, a trumpeting of creation exists within this rock. That's heavy. That's Travis? Yeah. Feel this rock. Okay. Do I get a vibe? You know what? I think the vibe that you get is strange. In that this rock almost feels stiller than other rocks for you, if that makes sense. Where Jonnet feels a resonant vibe coming from this rock, you feel almost like this rock is intentionally giving you a cold shoulder. Feels like an like an anti-rock. See, that's wild because this feels like such a rock to me that like I I've never I I thought I knew rocks until I I met this rock and now I have to reevaluate what ev- everything else that I experienced was. Now touch it again. Do you think because you touched it first you sucked all the rock out of the rock? Okay, all right. John is going to touch the rock again. <laughs> this time it's like it's it's less tepid. It's like whole hand, hand on rock. 
yeah, it's it still resonates in the same way. And as you do it, Nodos goes, gentlemen, please. Nodos, come over here and touch this touch rock. Touch this rock. <laughs> it's it's a rock. You don't, it's a rock. No, 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 no. You this don't understand. This is the rock. Okay. No, this is not this, a rock at all. This is no, no, the no, no, absence no, no. of is, rock. This is like four rocks in one rock. Mr. Gable is passed out on the ground. We have to get them to the medical Okay. Room. We go through dangerous situations all the time. We have yet to meet a super rock. <laughs> or take a nega rock. rock. Take the rock. <laughs> take the rock. If we'll, I, I we'll, think if I put this mm. rock in my pocket... My pocket will get lighter. I fucking can't. See, if I, I'm, I'm thinking, if I put this rock in my pocket, I don't think I'll be able to like leave the ground. This sink will ship. This, okay. this, okay. <laughs> this ship will sink. Now, but, but if I put it in my pocket, this sink will ship. <laughs> I cannot possibly lift Gable on my own. Travis, I need you to get on the other side. Jonathan, I need you to help. We must take them to the captain. Okay, but grab the rock. Grab the rock and we'll help you. All right, I'm going to grab the rock. (laughs) Jonathan grabs the rock. Uh, He doesn't have any pockets uh, at the ready, so he clicks it in his hand and then he grabs grabs (laughs) Gable. He doesn't have any pockets at the ready. Uh, You know what? He's he's in PJs today. (laughs) I love the idea of... I guess PJs is good. I just love the idea of John just having too much in his pockets. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're jam packed. They cannot fit a single extra. John definitely wears cargo shorts for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is why, which is why he's he's kicking himself right now <laughs> because under any other situation, it's a laundry day, and under yeah. any other situation, he would have ample pocket space we've got to sew some cargo pockets on those pjs yes john picking Mm -hmm. up the rock and says out loud my inventory is full and just puts it in there (laughs) (laughs) if you trade to me four silver spoons i could expand your inventory slots not uh all right and for the last time you don't work on the ship okay <laughs> i was hired i was one of the few people who was hired that's right <laughs> i could offer you this briefcase that allows you to slot things into it in squares you could fit a rocket launcher and some pistol ammunition no, no we're not doing that all right we're not buying we're not selling we're taking cable to the captain <laughs> thank you we cut over to the door outside the captain's office where you are so close to, to Dref's, uh, what used to be Dref's office, the medical examination room. But we can see that the whole group of you is covered in sweat, exhausted from dragging Gable from the bottom of the ship, essentially to the top of the ship. Gable being seven feet tall, made of a tower of muscle, they're extremely heavy. Nathan, I, I think at this time, like you, you've probably like the ship is drawn into port and now they're going through like the regular docking checks, which means you've probably wrapped up your lesson to the mm-hmm. orphans. How do you happen upon this group? So Oromar is walking back from the class, quite pleased with themselves. They've only relatively recently been putting in the effort into moving their face muscles to express emotion. 
by being a ghost haunting their own body, finer motor movements like that are uh, often inefficient or annoying to do. Now that he's trying to take an active role in being the charismatic leader that he's supposed to be, he's like, maybe I should actually emote more. That might make me more endearing to my colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) And so has an expression of like, I think contentment as they are eating an apple on the way back. We see a slow kind of like bite of of an apple and what sounds almost like a mill grinder sound as they don't really chew it (laughs) just kind of grind this thing into a mush as they are walking down the corridor looking content and then run into the crew (laughs) i'm so curious about that apple and we'll learn more about that later oh is 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 obtaining apple a better like a a... (laughs) no i'm just where does it go yeah what do you do with it that oh it'll come up that'll come up that'll come up (laughs) okay don't need to worry about that I'm glad that that seed is being sown. Mm. But yeah, you you happen upon this scene of three people dragging one gigantic person towards the medical room. There is a... Like, everybody hears the boots of Oromar Vale. I think you always hear him before you see him. Uh, which then slow, as he kind of, like, runs into all of you, is about to kind of, like, sign in greeting realizes that his hand is full with the apple, just puts the entire thing in his mouth and shuts his drawer again. The grinding continues. We need more pockets on this ship. (laughs) (laughs) All around. He then processes that you're all carrying a body that is Gable and you are all looking very stressed and rapidly composes himself. He was very relaxed before, and then he's having to switch on being a leader, uh, almost like a light switch. You see his even like body change, uh, like body posture change. It is, I, I think, a little bit like the transformation sequence that you see for like a Megazord yes. in a Sentai show. <laughs> in that like slowly, because you have to one by one switch posture from relaxed posture to alert mm-hmm. posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get this like sequence of you slowly activating different muscles and whatnot in your body to do that. And signing with both hands being kind of like, what happens to be the trouble here? You gotta touch this rock. Here. Oh wait. Here. <laughs> I, so <laughs> uh Oromar starts signing. I know Gable is built very solidly, but... And then when Jonet produces a rock <laughs> from his mouth, <laughs> the sentence kind of like, yeah, I, 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 I guess as the rock kind of falls like out of your mouth, covered in saliva, just a zombie hand extends out of shot to kind of catch the rock midair. <laughs> All right, you are one of the few people that I have no idea if this rock would feel significant or not, <laughs> Nathan. So let's roll a perception oh, check. Oh, sick. Hell yeah. Let's make this average. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I while I do have my character sheet, the PDF is not open. Let me let me do that. Uh-huh. Sorry to be unprofessional live on air. Uh, Very good. Perception check. I'm to find okay. my dice. And average, so two, two purple. Got it. Uh, we do actually very very good it is four successes and four threats interesting i think that 
you have to activate the nerve pathways mm. of Oromar's body in order to do this. Like, I, I think you have to actively switch it on. So I am going to require one strain from Travis as you pull <laughs> life energy from Travis to like reawaken nerves mm-hmm. in your arm. And receiving data from nerves feels extremely weird. Like, I think there's a pins and needles sensation Mm. in your arm at first as you're, like, reactivating nerves to try and assess something through feeling. And what you learn quite quickly after that sensation wears down a little bit is that to your physical body, this just feels like a rock and there's nothing significant. Mm -hmm. But... With the living connection between those nerve pathways and the spirit that is now haunting your body, you can address this rock as a spiritual presence. And in it, like, you can see the bending gold and silver of something that exists spiritually as a physical object. It is a strange and fascinating thing that reminds you of one other thing that you have seen and held before Mm -hmm. in your life. The other thing that sits now in a strange spiritual pocket that you know you own and possess, but can only hold it through careful concentration and will. The crown of the sovereign. Mm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I, I think a, a within the soul of Oromar Vale, we get the shadow outline of the body as the glowing soul inside processes this information. We get the full like equations moving around as Oromar is rapidly thinking of how to actually respond to this information, because I don't think he wants to actually explain what this thing is, especially with uh, what it's so similar to. And instead, signs with one hand, because the other one is containing the rock, uh, says, this is indeed a rock. (laughs) Bad answer. Bad answer. But it's not just a... I feel like I'm... Am I crazy? Am I crazy? No. Well, one of us us here is right. One one of of us us is is losing it. One of the three of us... (laughs) <laughs> like he puts a hand okay. up and being kind of in a kind of like stop arguing for a second. I will do you a favor. Yeah, with deeper voice, even though we're signing, this is still Oromar's voice. Um, I will do you a favor. I will hold on to this rock for further study so we can tell you and determine who is correct about the rock. Thank you. Fair. Thank you. 
Captain, if you would please. Mr. Gable has, has passed out. During some kind of ritual, origin unknown, though I suspect it might be celestial. Hmm. There is a hand on chin, and you see micro-expressions as the brow, like, furrows by a good 30-40%. Oromar is proud with the level of actual detail and consternation that he's giving you. Wow. I see. Well, we may have a book on this matter. And he opens the door to his office and, like, goes over to the bookshelf and uh, signing with one hand. Please detail what you saw in terms of any ritual items or drawings as he wants to go and see if there's anything in his own records to kind of explain what Gable was getting up to. I think Nodos begins to like launch into an explanation, certainly looking over your shoulder as you flip Mm -hmm. through the various like ritual markings inside the book. I would like to cut over to teacher way way now knowing that Jonnet is like landed, I kind of want to know what preparations Way is making. What preparations Way is making? Yeah, you had mentioned wanting to do some kind of ritual yeah. with Jonnet, mm-hmm. and we can leave that to be a surprise. Yeah. But I imagine that you have to prepare something in order to do that. So I, I just kind of want to know, like, what's what's the craft that, that goes into doing something like that? Do you have to boil stuff? Mm. Do you have to, like, <laughs> grind stuff? What's going on? Yeah, I think it's grinding, and I think it's also making the ground material into you know solid little forms uh, kind of like play-doh i guess Ooh, yeah yeah okay. and so there's like a bowl there's like a grinder and then eventually basically just ends up in these little like pellets i guess uh, pellets that are um for consumption okay yeah. okay cool yeah. cool 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 so i i want to know like what what does it look like you're putting plant matter into it does it look like yeah it's kind of i think that they they just uh, they got this like naturally sort of like a mushroom like or fungi like for, uh, formations that you can find in this area it's just like naturally occurring along the the edge of you know where the water meets the land uh, and they've been picking mm-hmm. that stuff by hand so there's just this pile of uh there's this pile of like fungi material sitting next to them it has to be grinded first and then made in the pellets so on the right is the raw material on the left mm-hmm. is the completed material there is this kind of beautiful process mm-hmm. of like taking this and like i kind of feel like it changes color yeah. a few times mm-hmm. as it moves through forms yeah. and probably part of it especially because like the final form is these pellets that you actually have to like draw water out of it mm, right so we get we get to see a little bit of of how that works yeah yeah so they use the water bending to um basically like desiccate uh the water from the fungi oh that makes sense uh so they desiccate the fungi first and then they put it in the bowl then it's like boom 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 and then once it's all like mashed up then you need to add a little bit of water into it so that it gets 
you know, it, 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 there's some sort of binder that allows this ground stuff to stay together in pellets. And then you kind of have to like shape it by hand. So obviously at this point, they've cleaned their hands mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because you don't want to contaminate it. And they, they're like shaping the kind of ground mixture with a little bit of like water uh, into little pellets. I like the idea that it's not possible. Like if a human being touches it throughout any part of the process, that it won't work. But because you have the magic of the liquid swords, like there is a thin layer of water Mm. that separates your fingers from the actual like pellet that you're manipulating. So it's, it's this like very intricate thing that can really only be done by someone who has skills like yours. Mm-hmm. That's a good kitchen practice. Wearing gloves is <laughs> a good thing. Oh, water gloves. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. We reach like the end of this process where, where the scant few stars in the sky have, have finally come alight, where the waning moon that is approaching a crescent but has not quite made a crescent yet is now visible over the water. And you can see off into the distance around the mangrenels, there is a light like a ghostly light that I think glows like a bit of pink. There, There's a bit of like mm. teal uh, luminescence like coming out of those trees. I am going to make a roll for you as I know you don't have the wacky dice that, <laughs> that we use on this show. For sure, for sure. Yeah, because I want to see how how much uh, Wayne knows about the phenomenon that they're witnessing here. Mm. And I did get an extremely good roll for you. Uh, oh, wow! It, it, so you got one success and five advantages here. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, so you are going to know that what you are seeing right now is something that the locals call the. Chasseur Sumat. It is a, uh, yeah, Samart. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that because it's French. Wait, what was it again? Um, do you mind if you spell it? Yeah, I will. I'm going to drop it in the chat. Ah, um, okay. And that will yeah. be how I'll, I'll allow everybody to friggin' try their hand mm-hmm. at that. Ah, Chasseur Sumat. Okay, Lex. <laughs> there we go. Bex has got the skills. Do you speak? Do you speak French? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I, not super fluently, but I know how to pronounce anything that's oh. written, and I can read it. Yeah. Nous pouvons parler. Mm, okay. <laughs> Et tous les autres ne peuvent comprendre. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love that everybody gets to show off here, and <laughs> I get to show off what a dum dum I am. Yeah, I remain um, silent. That's the only thing that is even remotely show-offable that I can do. Mm. So, yeah, this is like kind of a a cryptid equivalent of the area. You know that it's supposed to haunt around the mangrenil, especially in the swamp, and that it is one of the many reasons uh, that people tend not to frequent this area. Mm. It is supposed to manifest itself as light in the darkness, and if it catches you, it will drain you of your blood. Mm. 
However, you got a ton of advantages. Mm -hmm. So we know that whatever you're doing and wherever you are, you are sort of like respecting the ways that you need to be safe from this creature. Mm. So I'm I'm curious what have has Teacher Wei done? What what is Teacher Wei doing that will not arouse the ire of the Chesser? So just to clarify, this is a living being? A creature or a spirit? That thing? That is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed okay. to be like the argument of, oh, it's a living thing. Oh, it is a spirit. Uh, it sort of like moves back and forth between stories. And I think because you only got one success, that's not something that was important to you. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter whether it's physically here or whether it's a spiritual thing. No matter what, if it's real, I need to know the things that will, you know, keep me safe or respect its space. Mm. Ah, I see. I think that the thing that makes most sense since we established that I can wear water gloves is that I just have like a protective water shield like all over my body at this point. Uh, Like a thin layer, you know, barely noticeable to untrained eyes. But, you know, the fact that I am shielded by water Mm. basically allows me to kind of blend into the surroundings so that I don't really like stand out as... um, uh, like organic material if that makes sense uh, or like oh, a spiritual wow. material so like now I'm kind of like it's like water camouflage I love this I love this for for so many reasons because if it is a physical being if it is an animal like you having a thin layer of water around you means that like your scent is not entering the area right. it is yeah. merely catching on the water and, and not mm-hmm. being distributed and if it is a spiritual being like you have uh, almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, The Predator, covering yourself in mud to lower your body temperature. Mm, yeah. It's like whatever spiritual signal a human soul gives off is being covered by the water. So you would appear duller and more like water to to a spiritual being, which I think is friggin rad. Mm-hmm. And human beings are a large part water. So by, you know. Covering myself with another layer of water, then now it, it, it feels like there's nothing out of the ordinary. Yes. So, so you you see this phenomenon that people believe is this being off in the distance, and so that we can learn more about way mm-hmm. way. You know, when you had mentioned, I think earlier when you got your takeout that this is where you were headed, people probably offered their warnings. Local told mm. you like, oh. The Chasseur mm-hmm. haunts that area. Um, like, you probably shouldn't go there, you mm-hmm. out-of-towner. And now now that you've seen something that is like it, like, what are, are, are you compelled to do anything? How do you react? I think I really want to take, like, a mental snapshot uh, because of my third-eye abilities. I have this ability to basically have a photographic memory uh, and store it in my pocket space. And uh, I think that that's what I want to do. I'm not really afraid uh, because I feel like I have sufficient protection, but I really want to preserve this as an experience in my memory because something that's really important to Wei is, you know, having as many experiences in the world as possible. And so this is kind of like a local experience that they like finally get to have. So like they're reacting to it, not in fear, but in fascination and, and in, in a form of like, this is another thing that I can check off my bo- my bucket list. 
I love this so much. And I, I really I like the idea of way entering like a, almost a waking meditation. Mm-hmm. The idea that like taking a mental snapshot is not simply remembering something very hard. It is like investing yourself bodily and spiritually into the experience of, of seeing it in some way. And I, I think like entering this like waking meditative state, I would love for your eye to open up mm-hmm. and for you to describe to us what it looks like. So when it's closed, I imagine that it's just sort of a gray outline, like a gray outline that you can very clearly see that it's an eye. But, it, you know, think think of, I don't know, the a, a way that, you know, think of like an, an Egyptian eye like the way that it's drawn where it kind of you know uh, looks a little bit like like an omni symbol um so i imagine that that's mm-hmm. what it looks like when it's closed but when it's open i like to think that it has a very vivid cyan color that is mm. uh that contrasts with everything else that i'm wearing mm. oh that's cool that's cool yeah and maybe it doesn't emanate a light so much but Mm -hmm. like even in the darkness it looks as if it is lit Mm, so you know if you were to hold your hand in front of it it's not like you would you would see light coming off of it but like it can still be very clearly seen in the darkness right right yeah and and so you know we we see way kind of absorbing this moment and absorbing this experience as we cut back to Oromar, Nodos, Jonnet, and Travis. I, I kind of feel like everybody is sort of crammed into the now cramped <laughs> medical examination room. Nodos and the captain are probably huddled over this book mm. that the captain has of like rituals and whatnot as like they are trying to pattern match to the things that, that Nodos saw. I, I want to know what, what are Jonnet and Travis doing? Um, so Travis has been here before to this city. Yeah, mm. definitely. Is he aware of any like, not a doctor, but you know, like a, like a, a spiritual doctor or, you know, like a, whoever would be able to help with this you know what i mean like a a metaphysician yes yes absolutely you you definitely know uh, of someone like someone that you've had to see before ooh i like that very much look you can try and compare symbols all you want but i know that there is someone in this town right now who can help us now we can jump off of this ship and go find them, or we can keep reading our books. Jonnet throws the book in his hand behind his shoulder. Let's go! <laughs> Orima, I think in a in a match shot to the throne and court knife earlier, catches the book. <laughs> 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 this is fine because we are not in a kitchen. We are in a doctor's office. Yeah. On a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hygienic practices don't matter here at all. We cut back to in the past to uh, Travis hanging out in Dref's office, just like juggling things as Dref <laughs> is trying to work. <laughs> Do you have any lighter fluid for these knives? Put that down! Put it all down!
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Uh, I am so sorry that this week's episode uh, came out a week late. Uh, I'm holding part of the reason for that in my arms right now. Uh, but we did have an audio glitch, which as you can hear from this audio, was smoothed out just fine. A huge thank you to Casey and Tracy and Joe for getting all that sorted out. And a huge thank you to all of you for being patient with me while I am just working under a new boss right now. Because I am working for my new boss, I have a very short time where I can do this mid-roll. So I just want to say thank you to all of our backers on Patreon. Last week, we put out the seventh part of our Jolly Jack Adventure Skyjacks Azure Blues. So that full series is up for your listening pleasure right now. Just head to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast. Just head to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and back us at the $5 level or more. As a quick note, our backer name thank yous are finally going to return next week. Um, also, this mid-roll is going to become a generic mid-roll that I will have pre-recorded in advance for as long as my paternity leave uh, allows for me to do. But I will have the new backer names in those mid-rolls for you, uh, courtesy of probably Tracy, maybe Casey. Anyway, a huge thank you to our Patreon backers because uh, you help make this show and also help me make my new boss, which uh, I appreciate very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Now then, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Let's return to our narrative here and Travis had just suggested that he knows someone who is like a a spiritual medicine practitioner mm -hmm. who lives in this place. And I, I kind of want to establish what this place is like. Mm. Y'all are on the outskirts of Dominion. There are lots of different places for there to be skyports. Uh, what little holds the red feathers have on this area is very simple and rudimentary cargo transport ships that run a simple route around the various places here. 
there are definitely still swamp barges, like those airboats that we talked about in our uh, like setting building, where lines have been run over the swamp between locations within this area, where they just sort of like jet and pull like cargo across. But of course, uh, the Red Feathers having access to skyships can move a lot more cargo a lot more freely. So skyports have been built up to accommodate these cargo vessels that where literally stuff from one uh, place in Dumignon is loaded up and then floated over to another place. If there is a place where they're making textiles, you know, they move the textiles there. If there's a place where they are harvesting like crawdads or whatnot, those can be moved to another part of the port in Dominion. And of course, like there are red feather ships and privateer ships that can land here as well to bring cargo from outside or, or load up anything from Dominion for trade. And this, of course, is where the Corsairs start to enter the mm. picture. There are so many different ports that are not quite under red feather control in that Red feathers are essentially like operating things the size of moving trucks here. It's not clear which business will want or need to move cargo and on which schedule. And while there are central processing centers, because this area is so swampy, it's simply much easier for everybody to have like different sized sky ports that they can accommodate. So sometimes if you are a Corsair, and if you know the businesses well enough around Dumignon, you can offer a bit of a bribe to sit in a skyport and nobody will look one way or the other because things need to move around and the red feathers are only so important as they are useful here. So I kind of want to know where has the Uhuru pulled in and what sort of relationship does Oromar have with the person who controls this port? This port is like tactically this is a bad idea but I want to introduce this idea into the narrative early so we're doing it. This port is the <laughs> the kind of like town crater that has the most tourist attractions on. Mm. Uh, it seems that you know there are other tour ships with the like the, there's a specific like tourist company that you you brought up before and unfortunately the name of it doesn't come to mind i apologize i don't think we named it so now we can name it now mm -hmm. oh, oh no oh wait the osei company yeah there we go meant. thank you okay okay yeah oh then this is hilarious mm. uh because if you are pulled in near an osei ship which i think uh, ship Isola mm -hmm. is currently ported here, which is the reason that the Uhuru really isn't registering, because Isola is a floating city, mm -hmm. essentially. It looks like a massive beehive, almost, with a very strange featherweave canopy, like a beehive or, or a pine cone that has like this this bubbling canopy above it, but like windows and decks aplenty looking out in all directions. It can accommodate well over a thousand people, and it is complemented by its own small fleet of ships, one of which is a flying aviary where griffins of all types are loaded up and 
at the ready with with mounted riders to defend the ship from raiders at any point, meaning Isola is like a playground for the wealthy and not wealthy alike. I, I described it as a Disney cruise liner, and I very much meant it. It's a ship that like has affordable prices uh, for people and a ship that has lavish accommodations. But it is like the most like notorious luxury ship in the world, a place that almost everyone who has heard of it dreams of seeing one day. And it looms large over this area of the city to the point where there's so much excitement and activity focused on that. An extra skyship, even one as large as the Uhuru, doesn't really make a difference pulling into port. Yeah, uh, just parking up next to the largest retirees cruise liner you have ever seen. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I think, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I adore the image of various people kind of like um, sipping expensive coffee and maybe sun lounging on the kind of poor area below uh, near the Asola and just a shadow kind of covering their view as our ship, uh, nowhere near as elegant looking you know, with our broken masthead and all that. No, no, zero aesthetics. No drip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the Uhuru, normally a pretty good looking ship, is in bad shape right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Dripless uh, uh, arrives, blocking their view of uh, of the kind of like picturesque, or at least as they were sold, picturesque marshes. And Oromar knows... I, I think somebody who would be the equivalent of like a a, a travel agent, travel attendant kind of person. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of kind of like fiddling of the books in terms of, you know, when Oromar has visited previously, uh, who they've visited at or, or what their boat is supposed to be to get that level of not visual camouflage. The boat obviously looks like what it is, but at least on paper, it's kind of like, you know, Crawdad Trading Incorporated. Uh, these these tourists go through so much shrimp. Somebody needs to be delivering this to the location. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I like that. Yeah, it, it, it is this it is this combination business where they fish crawdads, uh, but also try to make that a a tour thing. Maybe it's I I do know that like uh, out in Massachusetts sometimes like we would go a fun activity to do is like go on a charter boat where you know people fish and they like take you out for their work day fishing Mm. and so you know obviously they're doing less fishing than they normally would and whatnot but it is like one of those uh uh, vacation experiences that is essentially doing someone else's job badly for like four hours Mm -hmm, or whatever mm -hmm. So yeah, it is it is a real crawdad fishing experience that this this person offers. Mm. I, I think to add on to that, uh, there's probably in one previous side story chapter in Young Oromar's life, there was a long con that required him to kind of you know go to Dominion and as a cover was had to run this tour and essentially roped a bunch of very posh tourists into doing some piracy under the guise of actually going on like a, yes. <laughs> a very slapstick, very sitcom-y kind of like energy to, to this misadventure Love in the that, past. Though. <laughs> 
I love it. I, I mean, I, I think the the person who then runs this tour company, um, you know, this this is a, you know, native Dumayon uh, citizen mm. who who has like lived in the swamp their their whole life. I, I think you know, we, we were drawing on a lot of different uh, inspirations from for this area. But like I kind of picture Dumignon as a combination of like New Orleans and Quebec mm. uh, where it's French like inspired france is in the mix but it's all like slightly to the left slightly to the right of france mm. there's no actual there's there's just the the, the french like like a uh, sting on everything sting yeah i i think you, you know like uh the a, a a a particular musical quality that can only be described as french but what you're clearly <laughs> looking at is is not at all european and I, I think, like, most of the people here uh, are I, mixed race, like, I, I think sends the wrong indication because, like, this place has been so long established that, mm-hmm. like, describing people as mixed, like, they're clearly their own thing now. Mm-hmm. And so you, you've got people who have like uh, darker skin um, and, and certainly uh, it looks even darker because they, they tan because when the sun is out here, the sun is absolutely out. And uh, I, I think like the hairstyles here are shift very quickly and I, I think this is probably like a hair decoration focused area because like you are working so hard and out in the sun you gotta be covering your head mm-hmm so there are like uh, between like nets and veils and hats and whatnot, like this is a town that that is into that. So the person that, that we meet is somebody who's got like a straw hat, but it is a straw hat uh, that I, I think is painted Mm -hmm. like uh i'm gonna say there are a lot of flowers and whatnot in this area that give you good dyes and pigments for painting so it's this beautiful painted hat uh that like looks extremely fine uh atop this like very touristy looking uh almost costume Mm. uh you know they're trying to give you an experience and that experience is the romantic crawdad fisher person Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) there are so many scare quotes around authentic and the kind of authentic experience yeah yeah Well, it, like I, I picture it, like uh, the the idea of the fortune cookie being like a wholly American invention. Mm. In that, there's so much of a tourist influence on this area that they have invented a new kind of romantic authenticity in order <laughs> to try and lure in people to like interact with their trade. Mm. Um, and it's it's working for them. They're, they're performing the job of crawdad fisher person, but like as the ship comes in like your friend is at the bottom of the gangplank Oromar Vale welcome once again to Dumignon he signs back Genevieve delightful to see you and like the person gives a, a mock bow to receive the king of pirates is my pleasure <laughs> uh, he waves a hand away at like pirates mm. 
<laughs> like it's interesting when the hand wave comes in like the king of he takes gladly <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but at, at, at pirates he's like oh no 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 we're here for the authentic experience <laughs> of dominion <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, I see on my manifest you've called yourself the Dripless. <laughs> <laughs> or, yes! Or okay. Yes. Mm, mm. I love how that is a term that actually makes sense in Sphere. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it does now. Please, please, fan artist, please draw Oromar with incredible amounts of drip. It's important. <laughs> yeah, it's like, indeed, uh, we wanted to go for something original this time. It might be a while before we are offering tours, but for now, can our ship sit with yours? It is in need of some repair. Well, should you have the gold to carry you, I'm sure that my port will welcome you. Oromar tries to laugh, and there is no there is no uh, uh, fluid in his stomach to be able to process that right now. So all you get is a dry weave and a couple shards of apple. Um, <laughs> <at> the- <laughs> Oromar is going to be spewing apple. This whole I, I I am so nervous about whatever this apple incubation is that that Nathan is working on, and I can't wait to see it. Honestly, it's gonna save the day. I, I must I must say there was to be like an intervening like okay uh, to to hit the the rewind. We can work it in. We can yeah, work it in. We, we'll work it in. We can flashback if it, if it needs to happen. But there's a, there's a, there's an obvious reason which Oromo would explain if you asked him about it. But um, is like yeah no, we we we. We indeed have the we indeed have the coin. Who do you think we are? I have heard about your exploits recently through a grapevine or two. Uh, so I definitely believe that you have the coin not only to port with me, but to pay for the previous times you have chosen to port with me as well. Rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I think Oromar, Oromar takes that in actually in without breaking stride is uh, is kind of like oh indeed indeed I suppose we shall be leaving the uh, funds at the arranged time and place that we normally do. Sorry that it's been a while, but you know the handover is always a fun time. I, I think at Janet saying rude, Genevieve. <laughs> winks at Jonnet and says, young sir, you would do well to never forget your friends throughout your life, especially the money they owe you. Jonnet, Jonnet's like, all right, I like him. (laughs) 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 So yeah, Genevieve, uh, like welcomes you down the gangplank and like signals to, uh, their various like employees and whatnot to, you know, uh, keep, tying the Uhuru down and set about the task of repairing the ship. I I think we can see Fuentes on on the side of the ship. Fuentes and Daisy traditionally would lower the gangplank together, but it is just Fuentes alone now after the last Mm. battle. And Fuentes, who despite grieving, must still go about their work handing over the manifest of the damages to the port workers who are now coming aboard. We can see the stacks of the Uhuru that have been blown out by the explosives. Uh, we, we can see, God, who is our furnace here again? Uh, Carlos. 
we can see Carlos, who is like still cut such an intimidating figure. It feels to me like the shadows are always darker yes. around Carlos. <laughs> Carlos, who like beckons forward people uh, and, and starts gesturing about the things that must happen to uh, the furnaces and the rotations they'll need to be kept on in order to repair all of the various stacks and lines. The Uhuru just enters this area of repair and it is not going to take the entire uh, haul that you got from the silver bullet to repair the ship, but it is certainly going to take uh, more than than you would like uh, of the Mm. treasure that you recovered from that ship. Thankfully, the Uhuru is indeed flush with cash from its most recent adventures. And with the ship kind of running itself, with Nodos remaining behind to stand watch over Gable while they are unconscious, you three are are free to pursue as you would like. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. The history of role-playing games is weird and wild, and we here at System Mastery are determined to look through it all. Every heartbreaker that drove a man to bankruptcy to see his vision of D&D with really specific armor maintenance rules come to fruition. Every game where you get increasingly certain as you read it that this is all just one person's weird fetish. Every system that painstakingly recreates how medieval life was really like. And then also you can cast Fireball. The System Mastery Podcast wallows in the filth of RPG history. Come, join us in the muck at System Mastery. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E... P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. 
The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. Strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the skies